0: Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, You don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Welcome into another quarantined edition of the Score North Gophers Show. Thank you so much for finding this podcast. Wherever it is that you have done so, whether it be via Apple and iTunes, Spotify, scorenorth.com, or that free Score North mobile app, we certainly appreciate it. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a review, preferably a favorable one, but I can't stop you from leaving a negative one, although I do hope that that is not the case. I believe this is quarantined edition number six or seven. I've already lost track. That shows how quarantine is going. Today, I wanted to put a little bit of a different spin on the Score North Gophers show. We are deep into the coronavirus, COVID-19 outbreak, and it appears to be uh, definitely sticking around, as we all know, for quite some time, even with the vaccine. We're talking about dealing with this for another 12 to 18 months in some way, shape, or form. Recently, hat tip to our guy Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. He outlined the U of M's athletic, athletic department budget where they basically say anywhere between now and fall, if this lingers into fall and maybe affects football, basketball, and even hockey, their athletic department could see a a revenue drop of anywhere from 15 to $75 million. So no better man to bring into the conversation here than a gentleman who I had the opportunity to work with and help press buttons for him just a few years back and, uh, props to him for helping me, uh, rekindle the fire and love for the media and broadcasting industry. Uh, King Banyan from the King Banyan Show on Business 1440 AM 1440 in the Twin Cities, available at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. He is the Dean at the School of Public Affairs at the St. Cloud State University, the St. Cloud State University, also a professor in the Department of Economics at St. Cloud State University. Go Huskies, woo! Good to see you. Well, at least hear from you. Mr. King Banyan, thank you for making time for the Score North Gopher Show.
1: Ross, it's so good to be able to talk to you again. It's been a while, and this is this is sort of like a what a way to go back to old days to actually have a chance to visit, even in this uh, very imperfect uh, manner of not actually being able to see you.
0: It's very therapeutic when when I was kicked out of the Hubbard building, King, I I basically told the podcast subscribers, I don't know when I'll be able to give you another podcast because the way I looked at it, King, is I'm leaving the studio. Well, in today's day and age, you never truly leave the studio. So we were able to kind of um, MacGyver this situation where we can have a podcast where maybe we're sacrificing the audio and the quality just a little bit. But the content is still pretty good. So uh, very appreciative of your time and appreciative of everybody uh, listening here during this outbreak. King, I mentioned to you before we started recording, being an economics professor and a dean, I figured no better person to help break this down. I guess layman's terms is probably the best way to put it. Everybody knows that with the situation that we're dealing with, economically— this affects basically everything. But when you hear numbers where the University of Minnesota says if this extends out, they could be down as much as $75 million, how does this trickle down and how does this get to this point at a public university and a public entity? Well, it gets there by uh, the fact that uh,
1: you don't have people coming to the games, and so that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, but I think even the larger issues are broadcast rights right you're not getting paid for broadcast you're not getting paid because you're not broadcasting you've got people who you brought on as sponsors who have the signs in the stadium for their names on promotions that are happening in these in these events and the longer this goes uh, for the University of Minnesota, for any college team, wherever uh, the longer it goes, the bigger the hit to the revenues in that in that particular budget. So the fact that the U of M was probably getting ready to go—I don't know if they were going to get to go to uh, to the big dance in, in the NC2A men's basketball tournament—but they're uh, keeping it big. They probably were going to make some noise and 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 had some thoughts there. So that that got stopped at the very last moment. And so the payment that would have gone to the athletics department from the NC2A for the men's basketball tournament, which you get regardless, you get a portion of it regardless of whether you actually get to take part in the tournament, that money's not there. Uh, and, and, and so when we can't put on the big spectator events, like, like March madness, you were going to see an impact on that budget. Now go forward to this, go forward into spring. Well spring is actually probably the smallest revenue hit to most most major uh, athletic programs at, at uh, universities and colleges because it's football first, it's basketball second and, and if you're in if you're up here in this part of the country, hockey is not too far behind uh, and in some places like like at my university at St. Cloud State hockey is actually the number one revenue generator. Um, we're past all that, but you've got baseball, you've got, uh, you, you've got baseball, spring sports, you've got the track and field events. They're not big revenue generators. So that, that actually probably doesn't hurt them that much, but here's the bigger issue, I think, and I, and maybe we want to go down this track. Okay. Suppose you're a gopher football player. Where are you training right now? You can't go to the gym. You know, you can't go to those athletic facilities at the U you can't go, you you, you know, I can go out. I'm a run. I, my exercise is to go running, so I can go outside and run. That's perfectly okay. Governor Walz just today, everyone will know what day we're having this conversation. Governor Walz just just announced a few hours ago that the golf courses can open. So if you're a golfer, and you could practice now. That's possible. But if you're a football player, what are you doing? I mean, you, you, they, you, the gyms are closed. They're going to stay closed for a while longer. So every football player coming back, regardless. Of whether they, we say the states open on May fifteenth or June first. Whether or not you're going to have games, every every player out there has had their has had their training stopped. And I think that's why to give you one reason why I think it happened. That's why the Olympics has been put off for a whole year because if you were training for the Tokyo Olympics, your entire training schedule just got blown up. And, and there's no way to put that back put that back and sort of do it a little bit later. You simply have to stop and reset and that's why I think they've put those Olympics out all the way to 2021.
0: Yeah, in a broad uh, painting with a broad brush here, King, for all of sports, this is incredibly interesting. just so I look at it this way. let me back up a little bit and and hop in where you'd like or just maybe check the boxes with me. I think the NHL's done. I think the NBA is done. I don't really see how they could uh-huh. get how they could get back in any way, shape, or form. I I'll push
1: back. I, I tell you what, I, I, I'm going to agree about the NHL. I think they're done. I'm going to push back on the NBA, not not because I read the stories like like I'm sure your listeners have about about going to Las Vegas and the relationship with the summer league there. I actually was just reading on Yahoo Sports this text story, and it sort of says, "How could it possibly happen?" Right. The other place you could put this on, guess what's not getting a lot of business right now? Walt Disney World, right? You have this huge complex around Walt Disney World. You've got all of those places, where, and it's a private property. I think you could put basketball on, you know, because the summer league runs in Las Vegas and all 30 teams are there in some capacity or another. There's a capacity to put it on in Vegas, put something on in Las Vegas. I think there's a capacity to put something on around Orlando at the same place. Happens also to be to coincide with the fact that both those states are states where their governors have not resorted to fairly extreme uh, shelter-in-place, stay-home uh, orders. They might be able to put. I still have some. I put it at about twenty-five percent. I have some hope that we'll still see some NBA. Um, maybe just the playoffs, but I still think we're going to see some NBA this summer.
0: Could you do it, King, where maybe instead of seven-game series, maybe you're doing like a three-game series, then a five-game series, then you finish with seven-game series? Because the issue that I'm still having with baseball, and I flip-flop on baseball, where some days I say, no, I think baseball's cooked, but then I also think, "Eh, maybe maybe by July they'll figure out a way to play half a season. But where I struggle with the NBA and even baseball, is it feasibly possible, even though millions of dollars are on the line, just as far as wages, is it feasibly possible to take most of these guys away from their families for two, three months, quarantine them, play games and say, well, you'll see your families when your season's done. I know that's probably not along the lines of pure economics, but... Is it even, I don't know, is it, moral's not the right word, but is that something that you, I'm just not sure guys will get behind that, King.
1: I don't know that they will, but we can point out the fact that in both the NBA and, and MLB, Uh, the commissioner's offices and the teams have been fairly clear. If we cannot play games, if we cannot finish the season, that impacts the amount of money that's going to be available to players in their contracts in the NBA. Remember they have revenue sharing. So for every dollar that the NBA loses, the players cut is being reduced by, by about 50 cents. But I think the current ratio is 51 cents to the players and 49 cents to the owners. Um, So, so, because of revenue sharing, the players have a stake, and they may just go to say to their families, look, I really don't want to be gone from you for six weeks, but on the other hand, if we don't do this, that's going to cost me, it's going to cost us as a family a significant amount of money, and I I, I think there's a way to do that. MLB is different. They do not have revenue sharing with their players. They're going to try to impose some things, and I think that – and, and – given that they, they really believe they have to play like an 80-game schedule in order to have something that looks like a real season, I can't, that means you're going to be gone from your families for three months, maybe even four months in, into the playoffs. There's also the thought that they might not have to do that, roster the entire time. Maybe you start them in Arizona, or, which seems like the most likely place to do it. You start them in Arizona, and then as things get better around the country in August, perhaps – you start opening it, telling them you can play at home. The big question is going to be fans, as opposed to the NBA, where I don't think the gate matters as much uh, to the revenues that the, that, the, that the owners and the players earn. In Major League Baseball, gate revenue is a huge part of the of their total revenue. They need fans in the seats in order to earn the money to pay the salaries. They have the much, much bigger problem. So I'm pushing back on the NBA. I'm not as sure about what the heck's gonna happen with Major League Baseball. I kind of think that's going to be that's gonna be the harder one to solve than, than the NBA is.
0: King Banyan is my guest on this edition of the Score North Gophers show. You can hear King Saturday mornings from 9 until 11 a.m. on Business 1440 or at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. He is on the Twitter machine at Banyan Show, B-A-N-A-I-A-N show. King, you used to tell me something funny about your last name, and I'm blanking on what it was. Is it just that every other letter is an A, and then you'll know how to spell it? Is that what you once told me?
1: I I told you that, and I told you someone had to tell me that, and I I was already in my 40s. I had not figured (laughs) that out in the first 40-plus years of my life. Uh, And then someone said, well, I don't know how to spell your last name. Every other letter is an A, and I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: King, why can't the other professional sports leagues, you talked about the issue with no revenue sharing, or at least not as strong as what the NFL and the NBA has, and then there's the NHL, which is an entirely different animal, I think it's possible you could see if this really stretches out, we could come out of this down a hockey team or two, just because you could, the Florida Panthers of the world could just say, you know what? We bring in three, 4,000 people a game. We're already operating on a shoestring budget. Well, let's just fold. What is stopping? Is it the unions that stopping the other leagues from having a more aggressive revenue sharing or being able to protect all the other teams? Because I think we'll all agree, even if this hit during the NFL season, every NFL team would survive this, and more than likely, every NHL team's going to survive it, and more than likely, every Major League Baseball team is going to survive it, but I wouldn't say that that's a certainty, just because of some of those things that you underlined. Why can't those other leagues figure it out? And you mentioned that baseball being so dependent on the gate, which is true, is it just because of too many regional TV contracts that are hurting baseball? What are some of the economic plays that are there loaded question and sorry for rambling, but what's, what is there stopping the MLB and the NHL from being able to protect their teams and have a better economic plan?
1: So revenue sharing is always easier. The more you depend for the revenues for the league on national contracts relative to regional local contracts. So gate, gate, Revenues are always in fact shared between the between the home and visiting team. There are different rules in different sports. Uh, but in uh, in Major League Baseball, it turns out the, the local the, the home team gets the lion's share of the ticket, right? they, and, and they, have, and they share they share gate, they share uh, some concessions, but some of the concessions are not shared. They do not in fact share uh, all the money that comes in through the luxury boxes. Uh, so think what I think in that particular instance for for the NFL, which for which all of that is shared and and for the NBA, where pretty much all of that is shared, this is this is a, a much easier thing. Revenue sharing is a much easier thing to do. Major League Baseball has revenue sharing, but it's basically revenue sharing. That's done by way of the uh, through the through the salary tax so that if you pay if you're the Yankees or the Red Sox and you're paying a lot of money to your players in order to win championships, you end up throwing extra money into the pot that goes to teams that aren't trying to win uh, very often, like well, I'll name Pittsburgh as a team that, that seems rather disinterested in winning baseball games, um, uh, in, in how they manage it. Uh, right. So it's, it's different. It's also really, Ross, a, a, di- a function of the difference in how strong the various unions have been. Frankly, at one point, major league baseball had the strongest players union in all of in, in all of professional sports back in the '70s and eighties. I think they've really declined in power some, in the last 25 years. And the NBA Players Association and the NFL Players Association has been stronger. Hockey, the hockey union has never been really much of a union, to be very blunt. Uh, and, and, and there isn't that much to fight about. And it's also a, a, an instance where the fact that they have a significant number of teams that cross the border into Canada Makes that a little bit more interesting. They have to sort of do the, the the fact that they really are an international league in the way the other leagues are. Even though even though MLB and NBA both have have franchises in Toronto.
0: King, I want to circle it back just a little bit to where we started with college football, college sure. athletics as a whole. And I do have some other topics I want to cover with you too. But if let's let's just say. Uh, insert university came to you doesn't have to be minnesota doesn't have to be your university at st cloud state let's just let's just call it insert name here university they come to you and they say king we know you've been a dean we know you have a radio show where you talk economics we know you teach economics how can we stop the bleeding here how can we hold water back at the levee well nothing's happening is there anything that can be done To protect budgets, I know a lot of people have speculated that this could lead to programs being cut in the future. Where would you start and how would you instruct an athletic director or a university president as much as you feel comfortable with sharing? Where would you start or what would you tell them? Because it's got to be an insurmountable task at this point because there's so many unknowns. We know this will end. We just don't know when it's going to end.
1: Well, let's let me begin with a uh, with what I think maybe for your listeners will seem will seem like a heretical statement. Uh, the heresy I'm committing is so few of our Division One athletic programs uh, actually earn uh, net revenue. Most of them are losing money. They lose money on the on, on the one hand, but their goal on the other hand is to be able to boost contributions from alumni. Um so that you know, so that on the on balances a wash so on the athletics budget, it looks like you've lost a bunch of money but but many of the people who actually give money to your foundations and to your and to your alumni association are giving that money in no small part because they're attracted to the fact that they get to wear the maroon and gold or or appear the 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 spirit red and black um to 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 be part of uh to be to be part of the husky family or the gopher family or whatever um so that's there so keep your eyes on what the main thing is the main thing is is we invest in athletics as part of our way of connecting our alumni back to our institution so how could we do that in a world where we where our our revenue-generating athletics programs are no longer able to generate enough revenue to keep the wrestling program alive, or the softball program alive, or, or, or cross country. All of which are, by the way, at the U of M. Those are great programs. I, I I admire a lot of what, what's traditionally known as the non-revenue programs. There are a lot of them at the U that are that that do really uh, are really in great shape and do admirable things. And shout out to all those coaches as well, because they're the ones under the knife, right? If, if the U of M loses seventy five million dollars, someone's going to tell them you need to reduce your budget by X million dollars, and that probably means some some sports go away. We've just gone through this at St Cloud State. We've had some we've 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 closed a couple sports up up in our area, including our football program. So so and I mean that's no secret, right? So everyone can know that. But the point is, what do you put back in its place? And what you need to keep your eye on is what you need to put back in your place is the thing that keeps your fans, your people around your community, and keeps your alumni continue to be engaged in your university. And I'm speaking now like a dean and like an administrator, but and not as much like an economist. But what what are those things like? I want to bring. I might try to say, okay, here. it's So here at St. Paul State, what we're doing is, yeah, we no longer have a have a. a a D2 football program, but we will have a D2 men's soccer program. Okay, great. Let's connect that with folks like it, you know, from uh, the loons to have them be part of that and sort of re-engage the community and say, Hey, here's an opportunity for, for you to come see a sport that's being played in Minnesota. Yeah, it's not football, but guess what? We had football programs for years and years up here. I don't remember seeing any Vikings come up to support Husky sports. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I just don't. Uh and it's okay. I'm not I'm not upset with the Vikings or anything. They're gonna go to the D one, they're gonna go to the University of Minnesota if they if they're gonna do some things with the local university. What connects you to your alumni? Because the alumni is what the is in some sense what the purpose of the Last Legs program is. Building that building that pride, that, that go for pride. That makes your makes your fans put on the maroon and gold. Makes the makes your 16 year old think to themselves as they looking around for colleges. I want to go to the University of Minnesota. Okay, you need to look for the things that do that. Whatever those look like. That's why I think I I at first I thought to myself just on a purely sports basis i didn't understand why the u of m would leave the wcha or the the nchc and and go to big 10 hockey because it didn't look to be as good but you know what everybody who is an alum of the university of minnesota wants to know did we beat wisconsin they don't they don't necessarily think too much about did we did we beat michigan tech right (laughs) it's just not the same it doesn't have the same cachet for them and that's what that's what builds the pride for them so what what I think if if they were asking for my advice, my advice is keep your eyes on the main thing. It's helping you with alumni, it's good which which includes donations. Let's be there's dollars in that, but it also helps you with recruiting new students, and there's dollars in that too. And let's recognize that athletics isn't a budget out on its island, but it's in part of the entire university enterprise. It's part of it, and if it's treated as part of the whole, you're probably gonna figure out the right programs to put in place.
0: King, from from your standpoint, if I can have you put your educator hat back on, I have always said when it comes to college athletics, and, and I'll I'll phrase it to you this way: I think the Golden Gopher football team, and, and to a degree the men's basketball team and hockey team they are the front door to your university whether you like sports or whether you don't like sports you see of them you know of them you hear of them they are great marketing tools for your university is it fair to view the biggest sports broke programs excuse me is it fair to view the biggest sports programs at a university as a a marketing tool or that quote unquote front door is is that fair or am i am i overstating that or is it not as important as sports ross thinks it is
1: well i think it really i I think it really does uh create one opportunity for engagement with uh both your community and with potential students um it's no you know at At my institution, uh, we think of uh, Fifth Avenue going through the city of St. Cloud. Fifth Avenue South, on one end is the Convention Center for the for the city. Uh, At the other end is uh, the Herbsbrook National National Hockey Center. Right? It's not a. You know, why would why would the hockey center be put there? It was intentional. We built the we built the entire south side of the entire city around the idea that there's this one quarter that goes along the university and at the other end the anchor on the south side is the hockey center because that that is indeed the front door that many people see if you think when when i talk to people when i travel and i say i'm a dean at st cloud state if they're hockey fans they know where i'm from (laughs) right and that that's great. Yeah. So I don't think there's a problem with that. And by the way, if I, I just add one thing, I think that's true, not just for the big time D one sports. I think that's an opportunity that is used in division two and division three as well. I watched division three programs use their sports programs as an opportunity to recruit Students to come study at their institutions. My daughter, who was a high school uh, three three season runner and, and 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 basketball player, decided to go to D three. She didn't want to take part in D one sports. I don't know that she would have ever, would have uh, been able to take part in D one sports, uh, uh in D one athletics. But the part of her decision making process was. Can I run with some other people? Can I continue doing what I've been doing in high school and college? And that's the value of that that D3 athletics program is it. it is part of the recruiting mechanism for the university.
0: King, economically, can you offer up any, any um, words of wisdom or just um, principles that our listeners can use to survive these turbulent times? Maybe things that you've spoken about in class or even on your radio program Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 on Twin Cities Business Radio just maybe some practical things that that people can be doing all across the board whether they're facing unemployment right now or maybe they still are employed are are there things that you would recommend that everybody take stock in and and things that they should be paying attention to or looking at in these uh very odd times as, as you can, as you can guess King, and as you can attest to in my lifetime, the only thing similar to this would be September 11th of 2001. And I've told a lot of my friends, I feel like when I'm in my seventies and eighties, this will be, everybody has those things where you can tell your, your grandkids one or two things that you live through. I, I can't wait to see their faces. When I say, you know, kids, Grandpa sat inside for like three months straight and just watched TV. <laughs> it's, it's it's very yeah. it's very interesting, but it's also very turbulent. Are, are there things you can offer up?
1: Yeah. I, well, first of all, to your point, I would tell everybody save something from this moment. Just hold on to something to remind you of what you were doing when this happened, because because Ross, you're absolutely right. This is going to be something that you remember the rest of your life. And you're going to want to share that with your kids and with your grandkids. So if you're if you're at that age where where you maybe haven't gotten married yet, maybe you don't have children, but yeah, and your say grandkids are just like a concept. Um, I would say find that thing, put it away. If you are a grandparent, I'm a grandparent. Uh, if you're a grandparent, uh, guess what? Um, hold on to the memories and and of uh, being able to connect to your family. Uh, uh, on Easter Sunday, I actually had uh, I had my mother on the phone with uh, my kids uh, and my grandson along with my sister and her kids and, and my brother and his kids uh, and uh, to see to see my mother who can't go outside she's got to stay safe she's in her late 80s uh, and, and you know to see the see her face light up that we're seeing all of her family on a screen which she had never experienced I mean she didn't know what Google Hangouts was a month ago right? She's just really excited. Okay, so so hold on to that because because this I mean I mean there's no way to say say this. I, there's two well let me say two things about this. First of all, there are a lot of people for whom this is just really awful. Okay, but, and, and and if you work in an area where it's a manual service, like everything from operating a nail salon, being a bartender. Pushing buttons at the radio station. Um, anything where you physically have to be be in space with other people at the same time. Chances are your life has been tremendously disrupted. Your your income has been tremendously disrupted, and and you are you are really suffering right now. So I mean I wake up every morning. I'm able to do the job I have from home. I have, I've pretty much been home now for a month. I consider myself blessed that, that I'm still able to do everything I do. And my life really, you know, whenever I think to myself, my life has been disrupted. I look at the person who moved here from another country, maybe from a refugee camp 18 months ago, and they're just hanging on by by bringing groceries over to me for Instacart. And I think to myself, boy, that person's experiencing a hard time, but but they're able to help. I'm so glad they're here too. Just, I mean, the hardest thing to do is to have an, a sense of gratitude at a time like this, but find ways to sort of build that. Um, the other thing I would say is it's a great opportunity to read. It's a great opportunity to, to write a letter, take every day and reach out to somebody who you haven't talked to in a few years. And maybe particularly if they're a person who you know isn't married, is living in a house by or an apartment by themselves, just let them know you're thinking of them. It, 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 it's going to be it, it, it's really, really going to help them out at a time like this, because this is the worst part of it, right? It's, social distancing is weird because we are social animals. We are used to being together at one point in our lives in prehistoric times. It was how we survived. If we tried to live all alone, the bears and the tigers ate us, right? Uh, we live together. and We live we close to each other. Um, that's why this feels so unnatural. And it, and believe me, it's unnatural. And we will not be doing this for very long. Don't you worry.
0: Yeah, it just seems like it, it, at some point it will be get to the point where it's just it's not sustainable. We'll, we'll go to our human animal instincts and be basically rattling the cages to get out and get back into some sort of public life. OK, King, that was very well said and very powerful. I appreciate those thoughts. Are you ready for a few fun topics? Just not economics. Not while economics are fun. You know what I mean. I'm not trying to put that down. Well, Well, I didn't
1: want I I was hoping for a few because I didn't want to end on that heavy heavy monologue right
0: there. My gosh. No, I I actually I, I think for as as bad as this is economically, it's also I don't know if fun's the right word. It's it's intriguing to follow and pay attention to. Here we'll do this final bit of a downer and then we'll then we'll go into some fun ones so at this rate gas prices are going to be like 30 cents a gallon in a month why <laughs> why are in or inexpensive gas prices king in general why is that not good for the economy we we knew that gas prices were going to get cheaper because of some of the spats in the middle east but that does not explain now why gas is less than a dollar not far from where I sit, I'm in Apple Valley, Lakeville's the next town over, they have a couple of gas stations with gas for less than a dollar, and today I went out over lunch really quickly, King and Saw gas was $1.16 in Apple Valley. That's that's a pretty good indicator that things aren't great, correct?
1: Yeah, it is. And 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 look, yeah, you're right, there's a spat. It's actually a spat between Saudi Arabia and Russia uh, Saudi Arabia was, was holding back on their production and it allowed the Russians to pump gas and make money to help support their budget. But both of them are upset about the United States and, uh, and, and hydraulic fracturing or fracking and shale oil. And so they were, so it really feels to me like the Saudis and the, the Saudis decided they could, they could kill two birds with one stone. They could, they could, get the Russians to get back in line and stop cheating on their production quotas. At the same time, they could wallop the United States. And So they just turned on all their spigots and said, we're going to make as much oil as we can, and we're going to drive the price down. Now, very interestingly, what happened was they just negotiated a deal in which, in which uh, there's now Russia said, we're going to not produce more than this. Saudi said, we're not going to produce more than this. But but because the administration got in, the the U.S. administration got in the middle of this Trump administration, Saudi Arabia is exporting its gas and has directed all of its gas and oil toward Asia, and it's not sending to the United States, so that at least for the next month or two, U.S. production probably will be okay— uh, uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve of the United States is going to take on some of that extra oil and gas that's not being demanded from us because we're not driving as much as we used to. But, but at some point, you know, if this lasts into summer and, and we're still with mo- these, a modified version of these shutdowns into July and August, that time's up. Uh, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is going to be too full. And we're going to end up we're, we're going to end up uh, closing a lot of those oil businesses down in Texas and Oklahoma and North Dakota.
0: OK, I promised you more lighthearted topics. And I know you have another call to get on to because you're in such high demand. So, again, appreciative mm-hmm. of your time here is. One more fun topic, go for football related, then we'll go into some other things. So, King, are you're familiar with the annual spring game, right? Takes place in like April. It's the last thing they do before they take time off again, before they resume to get ready for their upcoming season, correct? Yep. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm aware of it. Okay. So I'm going to walk you through spring games since Coach P.J. Fleck has been here, Okay. In uh, 2018, they had to move a game up two days due to inclement weather. Scheduled for Saturday, they moved it up two days and played on a Thursday night. In 2019, the game was played on its scheduled Saturday, but moved indoors and closed to fans because of inclement weather. This year, this year, the game more than likely postponed due to a worldwide pandemic. What? What will delay, cancel, postpone, or move up the 2021 spring game? Make something up. I'll tell you what I went with. I have went with the 2021 spring game will be impacted by game day plumbing issues at TCF Bank Stadium. Do you want to hypothesize what will get in the way of the spring game for 2021? This is an incredibly... An incredibly random, chaotic, but kind of hilarious streak.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I would have, I would have gone with weather again, but you've already had that. Uh Africa has had a nasty outbreak of locusts this spring. So, if we want to go random, let's go locust because we've we've not had locusts visit the United States in, in 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 some time. So, so let's go locust. Focus on TCF Bank Field.
0: What's the really bad nasty bug around here? It's the June bug, right? Those things yeah. are those things are disgusting.
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, King, your roots before you wound up in the St. Cloud area, I believe, run from the Boston area, correct? Out east.
1: Yeah, I'm from from Manchester, New Hampshire originally, or Manchester.
0: Manchester.
1: Manchester. We say up there.
0: So I was going to stir the pot with you and try and get you going about Tom Brady leaving to go to the Buccaneers, and then you dropped. You dropped a bomb on me that says you're you're not a you're you're not a Patriots fan. So I can't really stir the pot, but maybe you can from your friends, can you at least enlighten me a little bit as to maybe how any Patriots fans that you know might feel about uh, TB12 riding off into the sunset like a lot of people do in Florida?
1: I've talked to I've talked to my brother-in-law who's who's I think the biggest Patriots fan I know uh married to my sister, lives up lives up in Manchester still. Uh and um he said, oh we've seen it coming for 18 months. I think most of the Patriots fans were resigned to this by the time uh by the time they lost the game to Tennessee. I think they'd already decided, well that's the last time we're gonna see him and what a terrible way to see him leave. Um and 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 I I don't know. I think some of those fans want him to really succeed in Tampa Bay. I think others of them hope he's Kansas City Joe Montana, uh, and, and <laughs> you got you got a range all all over the place in between. I will say this much: I mean, I mean, I know a little bit about football. He's got probably as good a set of receivers in Tampa Bay as he's had in many many years. He's not had a good a good crop of receivers for a long long time in New England, and. He's got a lot. Be- he's got a lot better crop down down in Tampa.
0: Well, and to a degree, from where I'm sitting, it, it makes a little bit of sense. There have been reports that him and Bill really have haven't been on the same page since allegedly Bill tried moving on from him to turn it over to Garoppolo. And then to your point, if you're Tom Brady and you claim you want to play till you're 45, and you look around at the Patriots' offense, or you have a chance to go choose your offense for your final couple of years. It makes sense. All I'll say on this topic, King, thank goodness that the Buccaneers have modified and changed their uniforms and they're going back to their roots because Tom Brady and those awful Buccaneers uniforms they've been wearing for about the last decade, in my my opinion, just would not have looked good. Okay, um, basketball, King, I I, I want to talk about your Celtics. Update me on your Celtics and then we'll close with a baseball topic.
1: Uh, I I was really disappointed with the with not having the, the basketball season coming in I was excited to think about what the Celtics might do in the playoffs this year I would they beat the best teams in the Western Conference I don't I don't know but I certainly like their chances against anybody in the east even including Milwaukee Milwaukee's got the best schedule but um, I, I mean I will I they had two of my very favorite players on the team this year. For longtime Celtic Marcus Smart, who I just love because he plays such dogged defense, and I admit to being a big fan of Enes Cantor, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a weird thing, but uh, but I, I I just love how the guy plays the game and the joy he has and his willingness to be outspoken. Uh, and uh, anybody that gets under the uh, under the skin of uh, the Turkish government is a is okay by this <laughs> armenian i can tell you that um so so i was excited to see where they might go this year and uh i think their future is really bright uh so even if we don't get to finish the uh, season this year i like i like their chances uh, going forward i think we've got a great crop of players there and uh you know when someone says well they're missing this piece or that piece it's like no i think what they're missing is time to gel i think they just this isn't; they're going to be their year only because they haven't quite gotten to where they understand all the parts they have, including Kemba. And uh, if they could ever get Gordon Hayward going, I think they'd be. Uh, I, I really think they would be a championship contender.
0: Daniel Oturu from the Gophers, king, more than likely a first-round pick. Some even think a lottery pick. Six foot yeah. ten, averaged twenty points this year. Would he slide into the Celtics at all?
1: Well, we don't have – the one thing we lack is an athletic center. We've had Daniel Tice uh, along with Cantor, and the, and I've thought the Cantor-Tice combo has been pretty good. But remember, they also have Robert Williams, who who in stretches has looked really, really good. I, I mean, you always want talent, and I think the thing for the Celtics right now is they don't have to draft by position. I don't think they have to draft a big I don't think they have to draft the five. I think they're just going to get to their spot on the board and then look for who's the, be- who's the best talent, who do they project being best maybe two to three years down the road because they're not going to start in this lineup right now. That's an awesome place to be. It's so different from the T-Wolves, who I, I think may again be, be having to draft looking at position and thinking – Whoever I draft, I'm probably going to need serious minutes from right away.
0: Yeah, and with your pick or picks, depending on what they do with everything that they have, you need to hit home runs. Okay, I'm going to end getting under your skin a little bit, okay? I'm just full disclo- full disclosure on this next one.
1: I knew it's coming. I know, this. I know it's coming. <laughs> I feel
0: like the Red Sox are being let off the hook here in trash can gate a little bit. I know... I know Alex Cora basically just said, I don't even need to see the report. I'm just going to resign. I'm going to pack my things and go home. But yeah. um, I-, I think your team's being let off the hook here a little bit, at least in the public light. And it kind of feels like they've been a little bit forgotten about by the MLB, is the MLB protecting the Red Sox because of their lore? I kind of feel like that's happening a little bit. However, I'll tell you this, I don't think they should take away any championships. I'm not pro that, not even with the Astros. But it just feels like they're being let off the hook a little bit too easily here. I think uh, I think they were very, you know... It- silver linings to
1: everything uh, i think they're very fortunate the coronavirus uh, <laughs> pandemic caused the shutdown when <laughs> it did because it felt like at that moment i mean i was watching I, i've got MLB trade rumors on my my iphone and i was checking it every hour looking for manfred's decision uh and the report and uh and then when they announced they weren't going to have the season i'm like okay i guess we're gonna maybe you know that we're gonna delay the season i thought well Maybe we'll get lucky and they're going to announce it while we're shut down, which would make it not a topic. But I think if they did announce it, it would be the only topic, and it would actually take it actually would take uh, it would actually take some of the sting away from the Astros. Who are and, and I, I'm telling you, uh, um, I'm telling you, I think Houston deserves to 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 sort of wallow in this for a while longer, not because of what they did, but the way in which they held the press conference to sort of try to move on from it. The press conference is is even as, is almost as egregious as what they did back in 2018 (laughs) or 2017. Yeah. I, it's just our 2017. I mean, it's just, it's just awful. What, that, that you should, someone should actually, instead of watching, uh, the 1988 World Series or something, they should actually go watch that press conference. (laughs) Because that might have been one of the most abysmal pieces of public relations I've ever seen in my life.
0: There's going to be a 30 for 30 on this whole thing, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. And it it will be tremendous. And so uh, I'll leave you with this. If you you can't convince me the Red Sox weren't cheating in some way, shape or form, because when Steve Pierce is the World Series MVP, you know, something went incredibly awry. But I will say this as a Twins fan, I'm naive if I don't think Marwin Gonzalez probably brought some dirty tricks to the Twins, who, of course, ended up setting the home run record last year. And I think to a degree we're all a little bit of frauds if we don't acknowledge in all of professional sports there's competitive edges being used to try and gain yeah. advantages. Uh, right? We're naive if we don't if we don't know that or think that.
1: Yeah, I think that. I, I, I exactly think that. That's why I and, and I'll I'll say I, I'm in that camp. We could do a whole nother show maybe. I'm still in the camp to say at some point Pete Rose has to be put in the hall of fame. Cause if you're going to keep him out, there's a whole lot of the people in there that probably should be chucked out with him. We, uh, Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, by the way, I was just going to make a note, Steve Pierce retired this week.
0: <laughs> I, you know what? I did see that because I heard our guy, Rami, who's on in the afternoons with Mackie and Judd and Rami four to six, Monday through Friday on score North. He actually brought up Steve Pierce's denial where Steve Pierce basically said, yeah, we laugh at this whole thing. We weren't doing anything wrong. Former know, Minnesota twin, by it. the way.
1: Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, I, but uh, I'll tell you what, Steve, Steve Pierce, uh, I will say, if he's got any brains at all, he should retire in Boston. He will never have to buy a meal.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? And more power to him if he figures that out and actually does it. Yeah. I know you got to get to another call, so I will close with this. King, I meant it. I'm very appreciative of everything you've done for me, appreciative of the time today. And when it makes sense, we'll get you back on. And hopefully, when you're back on, we'll actually have stuff going on in the world more than just uh, guesses, guesses, and hypotheses.
1: Yes, I hope so. It's a frustrating time to actually. I mean, my background in teaching was was in economic forecasting. This is not. I am so glad I do not have to do forecasting of epidemiology. <laughs> what a miserable job! Oh my. Oh,
0: I I could only imagine. That is King Banyan on the Twitter machine, at Banyan Show. Again, every other letter in Banyan is an A. B-A-N-A-I-A-N Show, at Banyan Show on Twitter. Saturday mornings from 9 to 11 on Business 1440. You can also stream that or even listen to the podcast at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Thanks, King. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Ross. Have
0: a great day. That will do it for this edition of the Score North Gophers Show. Again, available wherever it is that you get your podcasts and on that free Score North mobile app. We're back again soon. Thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay happy, and stay healthy.